growing up in church in Randall, finding God at the age of 13 was we were so devoted to serving. We loved the Lord and we wanted to serve the local church in any capacity. And so you would always find us in, in the house of the Lord. Anything that we could do to serve, we would serve. And so I think we, you know, coming to V1, we came from this place of really hurt, um, of feeling as if we were not valuable to God unless we were in service to God. And so it really created a, a, a gaping wound in our soul where we were just kind of, um, I don't, you know, we were hurt. And that's basically what yeah. it was. It was church hurt. We were experiencing that. Yeah. And so Pastor Mike, you know, before we became anything or even decided to join and be a member, we had been, I think, maybe a couple of Sundays, we had attended V1 Church. Mm -hmm. I was pregnant with Izzy at the time, and Pastor Mike basically looked at us and was just like, you know, if you never serve this house, like, you're valuable mm -hmm. to us. We love you guys. And so it's not about your service. And he didn't even know what we had been experiencing in the season we had just come out of. And I think for me that broke me was to even understand just my identity and him putting me as a spiritual father yeah. in touch with my identity as a daughter of a house, a daughter of the kingdom, not just a servant, but really of a daughter. Right, yeah. right. You know, it's funny, I laughed because <laughs> I, um, hearing you say, uh, Pastor Mike said that if you don't ever serve this house, um, you, you're, you're seen as a, uh, a son and a daughter you know, you saw it as, oh man, that's great. Um, because Mary was in a season where she didn't want to serve anymore. Yeah. And I was coming, I was coming into a season where I was like, I still wanted to serve in any which way. As a matter of fact, I walked into church looking to see, all right, I know Pastor Mike is Pastor Mike. Now who's the person that Pastor Mike looks to? Because I was so hurt that I was consistently looking for a, um, a father figure hmm. and um, yeah. I was always looking for the person that would kind of be that person that would mentor me yeah and and, yeah. and, and, and be able to teach me something and so I was always and I, I saw Pastor Evan at that time <laughs> and I was like all right I want to be that guy and I remember just going through the motions and you know sometimes you can be in a situation where you know, you're you're just going through it all, right? And you don't even know you're hurt yeah. until you decide to rest. Yeah. And I think that moment of rest came years later, honestly. Although we were serving, although we were giving our all, although we were I remember us having arguments about when I wanted to go serve and she was like, Hey, <laughs> yeah, I'm going anywhere. <laughs> we need to we need to be home together. Yeah. How does this look like, you know, you not being able to steward our children well well not not just me but us not being able to steward yeah. our children well but we're serving the local yes, church yes. and there were moments where we would do that um and we would have these arguments but i remember when and this is the specific moment for me that that changed it all for me especially to see what pastor mike and pastor julie just how they saw us uh was when we when pa when Pastor Mike had finally installed past other pastors in the church, other than Pastor Mike and Julie, and um, you know, it makes me want to cry again. But uh, I, I I didn't see myself up there, and that was my that was my you know that was what I thought would make me valid. <laughs> and so uh, Pastor Mike brought it up, and I was in Thiemann College at that time. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> And uh, Mary, you know, Pastor Mike brought the opportunity and said, hey, any V1 college members that are just wondering why they, they were not called to become pastors, you know, give me a call. And uh, I called him and I said, hey, I'd love to talk to you. And I remember him saying to us, and I had that conversation by myself, and we were in a basement at the time and um, I was in the kitchen, you were in the room. And Pastor Mike said to me, he said, hey, you know, I want to see you steward your family well. Um, it's not that you're not called to, to, to become a pastor. I don't know where God's going to call you specifically, but I'm going to steward what whatever it is that God has in you. And in that, um, and, and, and as God does that, there's more that's going to come out of you. But it wouldn't make sense in the season that you are right now for you to 
serve the local church the yeah. way that it's is required for you to serve the local church yeah and also be able to serve your family as well and that moment broke me that's when i knew like i found the true father figure because i thought what it meant to be what it meant to be a father was to just be able to be um uh you know someone who would just kind of pull everything that's in out out of you but sometimes what 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 it what it means to be a father is to is to keep you from your own self is to see what's in you but know when is the right time to pull that out yeah and here we are it's been six years <laughs> and we've been healed ever since and i think there's a healing that happens and it's been happening and so we are so grateful to be part of such fertile soil of what god is doing in this house and we would not choose to be anywhere else for here i love my church to belong to a church means community, development, deployment. I come from a place where there wasn't really community. Uh, I thought I didn't have what it takes. Uh, I didn't know enough. Um, I felt like I wasn't enough. I wasn't really sure what my God-given purpose was. And uh, I was searching. And although I was checking all the right boxes, um, I felt lost. And I'll never forget the first encounter we had uh, with Pastor Mike at V1 Indiana. And he started to speak into our lives and he gave us a prophetic word and called us up. In that moment, uh, we decided to go all in and we went V1. And when we submitted to the processes, we started to join connect groups and we really found that sense of community uh, in connect groups where people were becoming vulnerable, people were finding healing, uh, people were speaking into our lives and calling us up. And we started to serve on Dream Team. And although in uh, this mentality of not really knowing what serving the house really looked like, uh, things started to unlock and shift in the atmosphere. I went all in with V1 College and I really started to see what biblical leadership looked like. I started to serve and I, I started to lead on a dream team. And having just these encounters of people calling us up and going through these processes, uh, I started to develop this passion. I started to uh, realize what God's given purpose for me was. And I'll never forget a night right here in Miami when Pastor Mike started to speak into my life. Uh, alongside Pastor Eddie and Pastor Patrick. And I'll never forget, uh, we sat down and he told me, don't ever feel like you're not enough. Don't ever feel like you don't belong here. And coming from a place where I felt like I just didn't know where I belonged or, or the fact that I felt like I didn't know enough to a place where my pastor is able to tell me, you are called to this. You know, don't feel like you don't belong here. And really living out the purposes and teachings that I've been able to develop in the sense of connect groups and dream team is why I belong to a church. For me, it's coming into the army. Pastor Mike is always saying, you know, we're, we're, we go from hospital to family into an army. And I feel mm. like I've really been developed to that point where now I'm in the army. When I came in, I, we came in really broken. Yeah. Our marriage was broken, but we knew the Lord was leading us to be one. So when we said yes to the process and we started you know, joining connect groups, like Pastor was saying earlier, and just being vulnerable, learning how to trust again, because I came from severe rejection. I was afraid of man. I didn't want to, I didn't want to serve, right? But our, my pastors called me up. I didn't want to um, lead. After serving, I started leading. I didn't want to lead, but my pastors were calling me into my purpose. And I'll never forget what Pastor Mike said that first day we met him. He says, when he calls one, he calls the other. He had already seen, the Lord had already shown Pastor Mike that very moment what our purpose was. But Pastor the Lord also told Pastor Mike, she's not, she hasn't accepted it. So when he gave me that word, I started praying and I started fasting and I was saying, Lord, okay, if this is my purpose. If you called him, you've called me as well. And I started breaking down those walls. I started allowing people in and it's then that I was able, that spirit of rejection was able to come out and I was able to just receive from my leaders. I was able to receive from my pastors knowing that they were for me and not against me, knowing that they were actually loving me in the process. Even when I didn't want to go through it, they called me forward. They, We always fail forward here and they always teach us as we learn and we grow, make mistakes because we're going to make mistakes, but they are here to call us up 
right? They don't call us out, they call us up. So that is one thing that um, I love about our church. We are in the army now. We are now um, leading as pastors in Miami. Like I would have never seen this when I first, um, you know, encountered Pastor Mike and Pastor Josh in V1 Indiana two years ago. But here we are, we submitted to the process. Our pastors love us, they encourage us, and they pour into us so that we can pour now into others. So with that, we love our church. Love our church. That was so good. Give it up for Pastor Jesenia, Pastor Harvey, coming from a Miami location. All right. How you guys feeling? <laughs> you guys think about tacos? Is that what it is? That's why I don't get a response. Well, we want to welcome each and every one of you. If you're thinking about tacos, you're in the right place. But uh, welcome to V1, and we just want to just just really have this time because we want to share our scars with you. Is that all right? Can we do that? Can we, can we share some of the wounds that we've went through in our past? So uh, what we're going to do is really create this atmosphere. We're going to have a family talk, all right? This is my living room. Welcome, but don't go into my fridge because you're not allowed yet. I still got to learn you and trust you a little bit, all right, before you go into my fridge. But uh, first, let me just introduce uh, who else do I have here. Obviously, I'm Pastor Eddie, but I have ser- my service pastors here. Pastor Randall and Pastor Mary from V1NYC. And uh, they're amazing. And we're going to share some photos and stuff like that and uh, go through all of that. But before I do, we're in our series, I Heart My Church. I Love My Church. Is it, has it been such amazing, right? The series has just been so good. But today we're going to dispel of some of the rumors because I have here some of the statistics from the state of the church that's happening right now. Because here's the thing, we got to go from not just being a consumer, but being a covenantial member. And there has to be that transition that eventually happens. But this is some stats. I want you to just, uh, those that are watching online, those that are here, just hear some of the stats. I want to bring some more awareness to where we are in the church. Seven out of ten adults in their 30s have not participated in church services of any kind in the last month. Only 28% of Gen Z's say that they're committed to going to church at least once a month. And actually 14% identify as either atheist or agnostic. Pre-pandemic levels in the church have actually declined even more. And churches are actually still right now actually recovering from the pandemic. Only 20% of individuals attend church every week. 41% only attend monthly. And here's the biggest stat of them all. 57% will rarely or never attend a church service. 57%. Now here's the thing. If, If you guys are comfortable with that number, it shouldn't be. Because those numbers should make you feel uncomfortable. It should reignite the passion inside of you to say, I need to tell someone about the love of God. I need to tell someone about this hope that is inside of me. So what's going to happen here is we're just going to have a family talk, and we're just going to share some of our stories. Because here's the thing. You're probably looking at us and say, oh, wow, these pastors got it together. Pastor Randall's living his best life. Pastor Pastor Mary. But But the reality is, We all share a same of the commonality of going through the process here together. So I want to first hand it off to Pastor Randall. I want you to share where your journey has been. Where where has your process taken you during these five years or so in V1 Church? Yeah, so thank you so much for for all of that, Pastor Eddie. Those those stats um, are alarming, and and this is why we need conversations like these. So... Every single person online, in person, um, can really begin to see what's inside of them and how can you begin to uh, do what God has called you to do. But I know we got to go through a journey, right? Um, there's, there's, I remember about f- five, six years ago um, being in a situation where God told me, hey, it's time to leave. And I was in a former church for about 13 years and um, I was saved, baptized there. Um, 
uh, spoken um, in tongues and, and, and served the church and uh, worked alongside the youth and, and all of these things. And the process, the, the progress was amazing. I, you know, seeing where God was taking me, it was so good. I remember going to youth services and, and youth conferences and, and, and from the stage um, getting words of, of, of wisdom and saying, hey, you're going to be this. God is go- you're going to be a mighty man of God and, and, and all of these things. And it was exciting. Um, but then all of a sudden, um, after I got married to Pastor Mary, um, God was like, it's time to go. Not leave Mary, but, um, <laughs> but, but no, it was, it was like, it's time to leave this, this church. And um, I was like, but God, why? Um, and, but I just, I just was obedient. And I want, I want you to understand uh, something about obedience. I believe that obedience, and I didn't say this before, but obedience is God's love language. You know, they talk about five love languages, and Gary, Gary Chapman um, talks about the five love languages, but I believe God's love language is obedience. Because in the process of you being obedient, you show him that, um, that, God, I hear you, but not only do I hear you, but I'm going to do well by what I hear. And um, so, so I was obedient and granted, don't, don't make that seem like, oh man, yeah, Pastor Randall, that of course you were, but I was a mess even then. Um, and as I was going through that process, Pastor Eddie, um, I, I came to V1, I was excited about serving again, but then God was just like, there's, there's things that I have to, you know, do in you. And I was like, all right, that, that's okay. You know, we're, we're going to get through this really quickly. Uh, you know, whatever it is, I'm going to leave off where I left. I'm going to start off where I left off. And then every single week I'd, I'd, I'd receive a word. I'd hear Pastor Mike preach and everything like that. I'm like, that's for me. Cool. Okay. Then next week, oh, that's for me too. Okay. And then the following week and then years later, oh my God, this is still for me. I still haven't arrived. And it's the words would just keep hitting me, hitting me. And you didn't know. You don't, sometimes you're going through the process so, so much, or you're going through things and adrenaline is hitting, but then you don't realize how wounded you actually are. You don't realize that you're entering into a hospital phase. And then over time in that process of, of being healed, you end up going into a family phase. But then that hospital phase can be a little longer depending on how hard you fight or how hard you choose not to fight. Because imagine you going into a hospital and then the nurse, the nurses, the PAs, the, all, of, all of the different um, the doctors, everyone is trying to help you, trying to um, uh, nurse your bandages and, and all your wounds, but then you're fighting them. You're only getting worse. And so I went through that process, and in the process of um, going through that, what ended up happening is, um, you know, I came to a point, and, and not, not too long ago, but I came to a point where I was just like, I'm going to lay it all down, God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you, and I'm going to go through what you are taking me to, and I'm going to allow you to do what needs to be done, so that way I can just, it's easier that way. And I know, I know that resonates with some of you, and some of you yet, you're still trying to figure it all out. And I'll say this right now, stop trying to figure it out, because he's got it all figured out. And whatever it is that you're trying to figure out, whether you're in another nation, whether you're in another um, situation, one thing I wanted—I want as I was walking and I was just pondering about, okay, God, what else do you have me to say? Is I want as we're talking about our stories, don't take our stories and say, all right, you know what? I resonated with that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna connect with Pastor Mary. I'm gonna connect with Pastor Eddie. I'm gonna connect with Pastor Randall. I'm gonna get connected to them because our stories resonate. It's not about the story, to be honest. It's about the principle. So listen closely to the principles of what we're giving you. Obedience, you know, hospital. I heard that. <laughs> but, but no, it's, it's, it's about the principles. All right? So Man, that's, that's so good. One thing that you said was the, the hospital phase of doing church. Sometimes, and I see this in a lot in church circles where a lot of people that just attend church, they love to stay in the hospital bed. Let me lick your wounds come up and just receive deliverance every week and say, hey, you've been here every single week dealing with the same thing for a year. And it's like they got these IVs in their arms. Oh, let me talk to pastor this. Oh, let me get this thing. And they feed off of different things while still laying in the hospital bed. And they never actually transition. Oh, I know I'm maybe hurting some of you right now. It's like, man, I've been in that hospital bed for a long time. 
But what if I told you that there's a transition that happens? When you go from the hospital bed and just laying there for so long, and you say, no, I need to go into the family element and what that looks like for my life. And Pastor Mary, you have a story about that. So I want you to share and let them know, because they're looking at me right now saying, what are you talking about, Pastor Eddie? Tell me the secret to this transition. We're going to tell you. Pastor Mary's going to tell you. But what, is that tr- what did that transition look like from going up and out of the hospital bed and then functioning into and the transition going into family? Um, so for me, my story is I grew up in church. So I knew the inner workings of church. We cleaned the church. We slept in the church. We prayed in the church. It was everything about church. So I knew church. It was like, I know how to speak like church people. I know how to act like church people. But over the years, I started to realize I was filling a quota. I was just doing what was required of me. And sometimes when you're hurt, you start to just do what's required of you. But what really brings healing is the vulnerability. So like Pastor Randall was saying, if you're in a hospital and they're like, hey, you know, you actually have to take the medicine for it to work in your body. I had my sister, my older sister, when she was growing up, she used to throw the medicine in the couch. And so we would always wonder, how come you're always the sickest, the longest? This doesn't make any sense. Was because she wasn't actually taking in the medicine. And for a lot of us, we're in church, playing church, and the Holy Spirit is here to heal you, but you're not allowing the medicine to be taken in and actually work, right? And that was me. I would come to church. I would play church. I would raise my hand. I did what was required of me, but I never was vulnerable enough to allow the Holy Spirit to allow that medicine that he was given on a weekly basis, on a daily basis to digest and heal me. So I looked healed, but I wasn't actually healed. So everybody would say, you got your life together. Your marriage is working. Everything. Wow. But I was broken. I hated going to church. I made excuses. Once I started having kids, oh my God, they were the best excuse. Cough. And I was like, listen, Randall, I can't go this week. He coughed on Monday. I got to watch him for seven days to ensure that he's not fully developing. Some people are getting healed right now, but you're just saying that. That's me, Lord, forgive me. It could be pneumonia, so I got to watch it. And he's like, I have never heard this baby cough. I'm like, I'm with him longer. I know. And so I made excuses, and they were valid excuses in my head. But what I didn't realize was I, w- I started becoming distant. There was this distance that was happening. And the thing about being in the hospital bed is if you are not willing to do what it takes to heal, you will create a distance between you and God. Because then at the end of the day, you were never supposed to stay in the hospital, but for just a short amount of time. And it took people. What my transition was, was having people in my life who were willing, who I trusted to call me out. And you need people in your life who will say, well, mm, yeah, get up. And I was blessed. I've been blessed. Like your wife, for example, Pastor Jocelyn, we miss you. Um, She said to me and she was like, hey, one day in worship. And she just whispers, you're not just Randall's wife. And I was like, what does that mean? And the Holy Spirit started working on me and saying, there's more inside of you. You're not just supposed to be a supporting character in his story. There's a story that you have to tell. And I was like, but God, I've watched from where I, you know, where we came from in the old church that I was just going to be his greatest supporter. And so I knew how to play that part. But then sometimes there was also resentment in my heart because I was like, man, I know God, you want to use me. But I was like, nah, it's okay. Just take your role in the backseat. Be a supporting character. Like, and so even in that, and then we go to Pastor Julie where I was like, man, I had my, I had Izzy. And I was like, God, I'm just going to sit. That was my excuse. How many, how many Christians, you know, online, I want you to drop it in the chat. If you've ever said, God, I just need to sit out for a little. I'm calling you out on your mess. You don't need to sit. You need to serve. And when you feel like you need to sit, the enemy is pulling you into isolation. God did not do sitting ministry. He sent people. So he never called you to sit down. He called you to go. 
And so for years, I would use that as an excuse. I was like, God, I just want to sit. I think I'm in a sitting season. I just, that's a Christian phase. See, I was a good Christian. I was like, God, I think it's time for me to sit. Um, And then you have a Pastor Julie who said, now, it's time. And I was like, no, but... And I was wrestling with the Holy Spirit and she was a voice of reason. So I think for me, what took me from the hospital into family was one vulnerability. If you are not vulnerable with the people around you, if you have not found people who you could be vulnerable with, then you can't transition into family. Because sometimes the healing, yes, God will speak to you, but sometimes the confirmation will come from people you trust who will say, Mary, get out of your mess. And I've heard that a lot of times. Like it's time for you to stop making excuses. It's time for you to start serving the local church. It's time for you to start singing again. It's time for you to start doing the thing that you know God is calling you to do. Because the enemy wants you to stay isolated and full of excuses. That's where you stay in the hospital bed. That's so good. You know, yeah, let's give it up. Uh, One of the things that you said about vulnerability, I I truly believe vulnerability leads to a place of victory. It has to, because there's nothing else that at that moment you're like, God, here is, here I am. I'm standing here and you just let go of your guard. I think you said it in the last service where you said a lot of us were putting on Saul's armor on purpose and we're trying to fight battles that we have no business fighting in the first place. And some of us were still coming into battle, putting on false armor, thinking like, hey, that's going to work. Hey, this is going to work. Oh, ministry should look like this. Oh, ministry should look like that. No, wrong. You got to take that armor off so that God could expose you so that he could heal you, right? So that was my story. So where you didn't want the ministry, I was all about the ministry. I'm like, yo, I got my Bible degree. (laughs) Put it in a nice little plaque. (laughs) Put it on my wall. I was like, it's on your wall. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I came, came back on fire. But I remember the first season when I went into ministry and the pastor there gives me a toothbrush. And I'm like, is, does my breath stink? Is there something about me that... Uh, but he gives me the toothbrush and then he says, okay, now I need you to go to work. And I'm like, okay, what are we doing? And then I go into the bathroom and he says, I want you to scrub the floor with the toothbrush and I want you to clean it. Now, some of you are saying, I would never do that. Pastor Eddie would never tell me to do that. <laughs> Toothbrush army, right? right? Toothbrush ministry. You want the platform, but you're not willing to scrub, right? So here, here, here's the reality. I, and I remember that moment, I'm crying. I'm literally crying. I'm like, he doesn't know my worth. He doesn't know who I am. And my tears are literally the solution for cleaning the floor, right? Sometimes God's got to get a hold of you and knock some spiritual sense into you to say, hey, you're not all that, but you got to actually humble yourself and you got to get on your knees. And I did that for a while, but the story gets better, okay? So, but then I meet a man named Pastor Mike Signorelli, and he comes into my life in about 2018. And I remember during that time, uh, where I first went to V1 and did not like it. I thought it was the weirdest church ever. I was like, this is just weird. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this is the campus pastor and the dean of V1 College saying this, so that's all right. I can say that. But I remember, and then we end up connecting some way, and for three months, Pastor Mike would meet me in a coffee shop in Ridgewood, and we would just talk and talk and talk. And I don't know if he even realized it. And Pastor Mike, if even if you're watching right now, which I know you will be, but you was actually healing some brokenness in my life, some father wounds that I actually had, some that orphan spirit that I actually had. Now, see, I was a pastor before this as well. But thing is that, you know, and a lot of us, we want to be called into that ministry and, oh, it looks so nice. But here's the thing. In order for you to be a shepherd, you have to first learn to be a lamb. And you have to learn lamb ministry and you have to learn to go back. So what Pastor Mike was doing in that conversation piece was he was getting me back into the state of the lamb. Into saying, hey, as the shepherd, I'm going to care for you and I'm going to walk with you because sheep are dumb. (laughs) And I was dumb. And some of you don't want to admit it, but some of you are dumb too. and That's all right. We can all be dumb together. How's that? Is that all right? That's all right. All the theologians, I'm saying, no, not me. That's all right. We'll talk later. But, um, but I had to get to that really broken state. And I remember a time 
where V1 Queens would not have existed if one day myself and Pastor Mike, we went to the rooftop to pray uh, in the movie theater in Queens. And don't ask how we got there. It was, <laughs> we just snuck up there and we got on the rooftop. And for about a good hour, we actually started to pray. This was in 2018. And we started to pray over the land. And even that part, I looked at Pastor Mike and I said, he's like a Caleb to me. Like he's coming back and reporting good news instead of bad news. Come on. See, some of you are listening more to the negative news than the good news that God has for you. Some of you, you need a Caleb. You need a spiritual authority in your life to say, no, don't do that yet. Or wait a minute, yeah. hold on. It's not a no, it's a not yet. But here, Pastor Mike is saying, we're going to pray over this land because we believe that NYC will be territory for the kingdom of God. And five years later, we have a thriving campus hitting fastest growing church in America. So it, it really was that moment. So let me get back to you, Pastor Randall. What did the process physically look like for you, right, to go from you know, serving and now going into the pastorate as a, as a service pastor. Like, were there things in your life that you doubted? Were there pain points that you have to go through? Like, just talk to us about that, that journey of switching to be a pastor. I think one of the most dangerous things is uh, when people see you, they see one thing, but then you know what you're dealing with fully, right? And for me, one of the things I dealt with was this hidden pride. You know, I, I, I knew where I came from. I knew where God was calling me to. And I knew all of, like Mary said, like the, the, the right things to do. I went through V1 college. I was checking off all of these boxes. And, and, said, and as you heard on the story, uh, in the video, you know, it was like, okay, now is my time. You know, now, now is the time for, uh, for, you know, I've checked all the boxes, but there's something about when you say something, when you, when you do something, and now when it actually takes root in your heart. Yeah. This, this past summer, we, we've been planting like crazy. Actually, two summers is just like we've been planting. We've been in the dirt physically, literally. And, um, uh, you know, they say when you have curb appeal, your house goes up and whatnot. And we, I think we went a little bit too overboard. <laughs> but, um, but we've been in the dirt and... And something that you don't see when you plant a seed is you don't see all the work that's happening. You don't see when the, when the dirt breaks. I mean, when the seed breaks. And in the dirt, in the midst of the dirt, listen to the words that I'm using too. In the midst of the dirt, what happens is there is a root that comes out. There's a sprouting that takes place. But you still don't see that with your physical eye. And so throughout this process of me, um, uh, of, of me going through this journey, there was this moment in time where I, I was saying all the right things, doing all the right things, just as Mary said. And when, when all of this stuff happened, what, what, what I didn't realize was like, still, Randall, you have this pride in you that God was just saying, Randall, there's this pride that is, going, that is inside of you that I want to break there's this character shift that needs to take place. And it's funny because Pastor Mike never said that to me, but then that's exactly what he was saying in other words. And I'll tell you something, what you will find in this place is that you will always find encouragement. You will always find people, uh, you will find pastors, you will find leaders, you will find even um, those that you're working alongside uh, in, um, that are part of the dream team, uh, uh, that are probably in V1 college or that have gone through V1 college, shameless plug, right? Um, that have, that, that, that will call you up and call you out in a sense, but in a way of love, with, with love. It'll be in like, <laughs> oh my God, like, yeah, you're right. Man, I hate you. Why would you say such words? And then you're like, okay, but I want to do it. And, and, and that's where I was. It's like Pastor Mike would say these things. Pastor Eddie would say these things to me. And, and, and I remember even Pastor Evan speaking to him and, and being a dream team coordinator of, of uh, V1 Queens and constantly trying to be like Pastor Mike, trying to be like Pastor Eddie. And I remember uh, uh, Pastor Eddie saying to me, is like, hey, you're doing a great job, 
but I need you to do you. And 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 at first, and what happens is, and there's some of you here that are watching, that are listening, that are saying, "I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. What what I have to give is not good." And I went through that process of saying, as as yeah, I was going through pride, but in the process of you having pride, it's you also looking at everyone else and saying, "Man, that's better than what I can give." And, 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 and those were the things that I was consistently going through. That's why when I walked into V1, I looked for the, that person. I didn't think that I can be that person. I was like, hey, I'll, I'll try to mimic who he is. I'll try to mimic who that person is. And th- that's what I did. And, and, and until I decided to say, you know what, Randall, uh, it's not working out. It, it, it wasn't until me constantly, I remember at a very young age and over and over and over again, almost every birthday, I'd be like, all right, God, this year you're going to show me who I am. You're going to show me what my purpose is. You're going to show me what my identity is. And not until like when we were in Stanhope one day, I'm walking up to go into service and God says, Randall, you know who you are now. And I said, well, who, who am I, God? And he said, you're a son. And I started to weep as I walked into church. Everybody was like, oh, we, church hasn't even started yet, bro. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and um, I, I, I began to understand what it meant. And you know what? Pastor Mike has been saying that over and over and over again. This was like, this is six years, right? And then about two years ago, so for four years, Pastor Mike has been saying, hey, when you know that you're a son, it's about understanding that you are a son. Uh, yeah, you can play the drums. You can, you can serve in this team. You can do that. But it's not about any of that. It's about you being a son. And I've heard it over and over again. And this is what I'm talking about. When the seed is in the ground and then all this dirt comes and then you don't realize that the dirt is also part of the process. The dirt is part of the process. The watering is part of the process, right? The growth track is part of the process. V1 College is part of the process. Dream Team is part of the process. And all of this stuff, scrubbing the dirt and scrubbing with the toothbrush is part of the process. And then yet, you, you, but some of us want to forego that process and say, no, we don't need the dirt. Let me just do the watering. But then you realize nothing happens in there. So it's, it's that process, it's that journey that I went through that actually made me realize like, okay, God, I'm going to lay this down. I'm going to do it your way and I'm going to allow you to do what you have called me to do. And I'm going to listen to your voice. I'm going to be obedient. And in the process of me being obedient, that's where God started to show me not only who I was, but what my assignments were in each season. Wow. Man, how good was that? You know, one of the things that you said about character is... Uh, and what I believe is character is developed in the crushing. <laughs> character is developed in the crushing. You got to crush some things. And when you're talking about the seed, just, I visually just had like a, just a vision of just a seed just being crushed by the weight of dirt. Right? That is forcing it to be good. Church forces you to be good. Maybe some, not some of the leadership, because we've been hurt by so many leaders. What we end up doing is that we have a false perception of what pastoral ministry looks like and what a leader should actually look like. That's why I always say, do never trust a leader that doesn't walk with a limp. So if you don't walk with a limp, I can't trust you. If you don't have the scars that I have, I can't trust you, right? But there has to be that crushing and that pruning, right? John talks about the pruning process. There has to be some cutting that has to happen in order for a proper biblical character to be developed. So it's like, that's exactly what you experienced. So Pastor Mary, there's the syndrome of the Martha and the Mary, right? Martha misses Jesus because she's so busy. <laughs> she wants to do everything. But then there's Mary that ministers to Jesus. And she waits patiently. What does it mean to wait patiently on the calling? Right? Let's say we have some people in V1 or somebody watching online. Hey, I've been waiting for this ministry for so long. I've been waiting for this. And in reality, I ask them, well, how long you been waiting? Oh, two months. I'm like, two months? <laughs> I've been waiting 20 years for something. Like, come on. So how do we battle impatience when we're dealing with the process? Um, I mean, I would say for Pastor Randall, he always knew. He's like, man, you know, I, I feel like we, we were called to be pastors, and I was always the other one. Like, absolutely not, God pass me over and he was like no I really feel it and I was like no God don't feel it for me 
And I, you know, it, it was hard for me to get to that point where I accepted it. And going through years with V1, like you said, going to V1 college, getting people, being vulnerable with each other. I can't stress that enough. You cannot hide. Like, don't do life in isolation. You can't do ministry. You can't do calling in isolation. And if you're sitting in church and you're like, I'm just going to do my own thing on the side and hope that somebody taps me. No, no, no. Get out there. Know people. Get vulnerable with, with the, like your peers, the people in church, with your leadership of where you are. And I think for me was giving it up. If you've been waiting, waiting means to give it up. I would say just give it back to God. If you feel like you've been waiting too long, I want to ask you, have you really given it back to God? Because sometimes when you're waiting, you're trying to orchestrate it to fit your idea of what the calling looks like. So for us in being pastors was like a couple, a couple of weeks before Pastor Mike even said, hey, I want to call you guys up. We were sitting in the car and I was just like, you know, Randall, I just love the Lord different now. Like nothing can stop me. Right? I'm about to sing a song. <laughs> I was like, yo, I just, I just love the Lord. I want to keep serving. And they were like, everybody kept saying, but you're pregnant. Don't you think you should sit down? I was like, don't, don't tell me that. I'm even more reason for me to serve. And I was just like, I'm going to conference. I'm doing this. I'm going to jump. I'm going to serve because there was just love for God that just birthed afresh in my heart. I had become so disenfranchised with church because I was like, I was hurt. And so God, and I was like, no, but these were people that hurt me not God and I took out the herd of people on God and I distanced myself from him and so there's some of you who yes you're waiting for the calling but you've distanced yourself from God because people hurt you God didn't hurt you we're human beings and one of the most healing things that also Pastor Mike said was it's not if I hurt you but when I hurt you and what that showed me was you are a human being just like me following the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so you understand also your frailty, but you're still able to call me up. And that's okay. And so here I was like, because of years of just being so disengaged and heard and pushing God away. Now I'm in the car and I'm so excited and I'm like, God, I'm just so excited. And there are other people that are hurting and I don't want to skip a beat. I don't want to sit at home. And they were like, listen, you just had a kid stay at home healed. That was Pastor Julie. She's like, Mary, please don't come to church this week. You're okay. I was like, no, I'm going to be there. Because all of a sudden this passion for the lost stirred up in my soul and I was like God what if this is the week yes other people are going to do it but I want to do my part for your kingdom I don't want to miss a beat I don't want to make excuses like I made excuses in the past of why it was comfortable to sit down and so here I am and I looked at Randall and I was in the car on our way back from NYC and I was like man Randall if all I ever get to do is clean the toilets or greet, I'm going to be the happiest because even in those moments, I'm going to find a way to encourage somebody. And I gave it up. And I said, God, I don't need the name. I don't need the accolades. I don't even, and that was what we said. I was like, I don't even need anybody to know my name, God. They don't need to know who I am, but I just want to serve you. In that moment, and that was, Pastor Mike preached a message about hidden pride. I was the, there's the Igor, and I think that's what, yes. Igor, is it Igor or Igor? Yeah, and he was like, yeah, you know, some of you are prideful with the boastfulness, but then some of you are the prideful with the, oh, where is me? And you force everybody to look at you, and that was my pride. I wasn't boastful, but I wanted people to pity me. You've been through so much. So I just wanted to have like a pity party, like join my party, it's fun. And God was like, enough with the pity party. And I finally said, God, even if they never know me by my name, but they know you. Even if they never know who I am, but I stand in that back every day and I pray for these seeds and I prophesy into people's life. They don't even, I don't even have to have conversations with them, but God, I want to do my part. And once we had a laugh in the car of just us saying that, Randall comes to me one day after church and is like, Mary... I was like, what is wrong with you? And he was shaking. 
And I was like, what is wrong with you? Are you getting sick? And he's like, no, you won't believe this. And he's like, what? He's like, you won't believe what Pastor Mike just asked us. And I was like, God, when I finally gave it away and realized that the names, the accolade doesn't matter, I'll tell you, if you have been waiting, when God, serving God becomes enough for you, when just loving his people without anybody ever knowing you, that's the toothbrush ministry. When you start to give it away, when you say, God, I don't want the calling, because sometimes we want to be known through the calling. We want the assignment, and I wanted the assignment sometimes so people know my name. I wanted the people to know, okay, yeah, all right, Mary, you did a good job. No. It was like I allowed people to speak into my life and call that pride out. And then I started allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work in me where I was like, take it, God. I don't want it anymore. It doesn't matter if I ever become a pastor. It doesn't matter if I ever sing a song again. God, if my hands cannot praise you, I will find another way to praise you. I will find another means to worship you. God, if I can't preach, then I will stay in the back and I will clean toilets and I will prophesy over these toilets that people that walk in will be saved. Some of us need to let it go so God can give us the best version of the calling. If you are waiting, I'm asking you, have you truly let it go for God's best version? I was holding on to my version of what I thought it was. And God said, give it away and watch. And it was instantaneous because I was like, wow, God, that's all you needed me to say. But it was my heart. Because I knew how to do this so much. Randall, Randall tells me, he's like, man, I don't know how you do what you do. But he's like, you know how to, and I knew how to sound churchy. But don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. You can't do this with God and he buy into it. He was looking for here. So the moment here and here aligned, he was like, now I can trust you with my children now you're worthy of the calling now your heart is pure enough that when they say congratulations Mary you'll turn around and say no 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 congratulations to my heavenly father who saw me broken who saw me messy and said wait a second she's still worthy to serve me so that's what I would say if you've been waiting give it away the moment you finally let it go not just with your words because trust me I did that a lot but in your heart, then he'll give it back to you. And sometimes 10 times better. Wow, that was so powerful. Some things that resonated when you say is when you hold on to, to those things, you're really holding on to the hurt. And I said it before, but hurt people hurt people, but healed people heals people. So it's like when you're holding on to that bitterness, when you're holding on to that unforgiveness that you have towards someone, when you're holding on to, hey, I should be on the platform. Hey, I should have this ministry. Oh, I, uh, this is what it looks like. You actually end up stifling and limiting the glory of God in your life. You actually put a barrier between you and what God wants to do in you because you hold on to the hurt. And maybe some of those that are watching right now, and I'm going to show, I want to show a picture in a moment um, that kind of represents uh, some of the things, but. Um, maybe you had church hurt extensively. I want to say I'm sorry for that. We as pastors, and I think I say that for all of us collectively, is we are sorry that somebody hurt you. We're sorry that someone didn't remove the lid of opportunity for your life. We apologize for that. But what you're going to get here is a healthy biblical balance of what that looks like. If you're going too fast, get what we're going to say. No, no, no. Slow down a little bit. Simmer down now. Don't worry. It's going to happen. But we're going to put up those spiritual guardrails that some of us need, right? So I want to show this picture. This is a picture back in 2018 um, in my house. And we're, we're going to get up for this. But you can see in this picture, this is an old school picture. But this is when our lead pastor actually had hair. Okay, so <laughs> Pastor Mike actually had hair. Uh, actually, you know, me, I didn't have a beard at that moment. I was still growing it. Uh, Pastor Randall is there. Uh, he has some hair. It kind of looks the same right now. Uh, but the story tells, uh, the picture tells a thousand stories here. Now, here's the thing. 
you can all let's all stand up and maybe those that are watching online but i want to i want to just narrate some of these pictures for you because when i look at this i see a story i see ayush in the background who serves in our production and uh, that that came out of hinduism and has such an amazing story of what god was doing in his life and right now he is actually serving there i see uh, heather wrigley who is our director of operations who is actually in ukraine right now ministering to so many people i see my son <laughs> she's she's in there in the background as well but there's uh, uh, there's so many lies but here's the thing what i also in this in this picture are people that didn't go the distance with us people that uh passed away before the time and 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 the lord took them uh out at a certain season but i also so see people in that picture that didn't go the distance and didn't do life with us now that's okay but here is what i want to do and those that are watching online and those that are here right now i want to create a new photo album can we do that I want to create a new photo album for 2023. I want to create a new photo album that includes each and every one of you in our story. That when we can look five years from now, we can say, look what God has done. Look where God has taken you. He's taken you from glory to glory. We've been talking and singing about the glory of God and it is so fitting because when you love the church, the glory of God comes with the church. It's not just an add-on, it's who we are. So maybe some of you are disenfranchised. Remember, some of you are disconnected from a local church. If you're watching this online right now and you don't go to a local church, here's my prayer for you. My prayer for you is you stop leaning into the para ministries that are happening over and over again. They're going to love you, but they're only going to love you until a season. The difference between a para ministry and a church is that a church is going to stay with you the long haul, whether you like it or not, whether you stay or not. So stop trying to follow these ministries outside of the church and begin to get plugged in and dig down your roots deep so that you could get connected because the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Not against the power ministry. It's against the church. The fundamental reason why Jesus said that to Peter. So my prayer is that each and every one of you say, you know what, Pastor Eddie? I've been following all these ministries for so many years and I've been so disconnected. It's time to refresh your photo album. It's time to take a new picture here today and you know what I believe that new picture begins with salvation that's where the new picture begins it begins by acknowledging Jesus as Lord it's not through reciting some ritualistic prayer but it's actually having relationship with a Heavenly Father so as we begin and the worship team could help me in the background what we're going to do is we're going to take a new picture spiritually in our hearts and if that moment where you say pastor eddie i need to know jesus more i want to know who my father is more i want to learn what it means to be connected and to love and to be part of the household of faith this is the household of faith that god is calling you to and we're going to stick with you in and through every trial and tribulation that you face. So you that are watching online right now, we have people that want to connect you. So let's get connected and let's grow together in the grace of God. Amen. Come on, let's sing that out. Let's glorify God. Let's give him all our heart's desire and let's praise him like never before. I love my church.